Hi there, welcome to Typical Books. I'm Lydia Peaver, and this is the podcast mirror of my YouTube show, Typical Books, where we talk about horror fiction. So, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Typical Books. Today, you may see I have a little prop, a small candle that somehow mysteriously contains small paper strips that remain unscathed by the fire's flame. Yeah, it's not really that creepy. It's an electric candle. So today I'm going to try an experiment that I'm terrified to try. And I'll probably, it probably won't be as cool as I think it'll be, but we'll see. Today it is an exquisite corpse. An exquisite corpse, unlike the spectacular reviews done by their Vectubers about Puppy Z. Bright's, book, Exquisite Corpse. Uh, It typically is a story or a drawing, traditionally a drawing, that's began by one artist and partially began, passed to another artist who partially continues, to another artist that partially continues, and yet to another who partially continues, and on and on. With a story, you may have done this in school, where you write a sentence and then a word fold the paper over so they can't read the sentence and just have the word to begin with. They write the sentence and begin with another word and fold the paper. So the story continues as people don't know what was previously written. Um, I don't know how other how else to describe an exquisite corpse, so you can check out uh, Wikipedia. And it's very different than wanting to um, leave a beautiful or exquisite corpse when you die by eating well and living well. And staying thin, I suppose. Anyway, these are the 30 horror people chosen for the previous Would You Rather that was uh, inspired by Merce at Harpies in the Trees. And I'll be tagging Merce to see if she's interested in continuing this exquisite corpse, although it is very different from an exquisite corpse in that this is an exquisite corpse of one a one-woman corpse, if you will, where I'm going to pick the names and the names are going to dictate where my story goes. And this is where the failure probability is very high. So on with the show. Uh, I can sort of see them and I really hope I haven't lost any because Ray Pie from The Lost is the shortest paper I have. So we'll know if I've lost that particular paper. We begin with Corinne Donganger. You may have remembered her from Flowers in the Attic, but she is a withered old woman looking out over her vast estates where she spies Mr. Dark. And he's muttering, he's muttering in the garden. And she yells down, Mr. Dark, Mr. Dark, whatever could be the matter? Something wicked this way comes, said Mr. Dark. Oops, I dropped one. And Corinne uncharacteristically perturbed by something wicked coming onto her onto her land, turns to her butler, Coco, from Peter Straub's Coco, and says, Coco, could you go see whatever could be so wicked in coming into my estate? Go and see Mr. Dark. So Coco goes down to see what is wrong with Mr. Dark. So Coco grabs his machete and heads on downstairs. Mr. Dark, he says, uncharacteristically speaking for Coco, whatever could be the matter? 
And Mr. Dark says, the something wicked that this way cometh is none other than Penelope gassed from the black train. Penelope gassed that pisser. So Coco says, well, this is definitely a job for button face. And Mr. Dark says, you don't mean Dr. Decker. You don't mean Dr. Decker from Clive Barker's Cabal, do you? Coco gravely grunts, much more like Coco would. Turns and walks back into the house. So it's up to Mr. Dark to go and find Dr. Decker. He mounts his trusty steed, Shalob, from Lord of the Rings. And the giant spider gallops to spiders. It, it, it kind of scrabbles. It scrabbles gigantically on the landscape of the vast Dollinganger estate to the town where Dr. Decker lives in his swank-ass apartment. Dr. Decker was treating his current patient, Gollum, Lord of the Rings, for his kleptomania, and... Mr. Dark busts in. Dr. Decker, Dr. Depper, Decker, you must help the Dollinganger because Penelope Gast is on her way to piss all over the lands. Dr. Decker does his best Jack Torrance impression from The Shining and busts through the door yelling, Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. He says, I can't help you. I can't help you. What am I supposed to do? I am busy treating a patient who obviously is in dire need of help with his multiple personality disorder. And his disassociation is rampant and near uncurable. So I need all the time. My next patient is, of course, uh, Hannibal Lecter, who is also a doctor. Maybe he can help you. He says, oh, no, I'm sick of doctors. Doctors are going to be no help. So... Mr. Dark says, you know, I, doctors are no help. Uh, what, what I need is somebody who's savvy, someone who's cool, someone who's like me, you know, like Mr. Dark. I'm savvy and cool. I'm sick of you doctors already. Do you know of any of your good friends? Someone like you, but not as stuffy. And he says, oh, I've got the man for the job. And that would be Patrick Bateman. He's either in his office or in someone else's apartment slaughtering hookers right now. So uh, I'm sure he'll be easy to find. So Mr. Dark mounts Shalob and goes skittering towards the city and skitters up a high rise and finds Patrick Bateman, who's on the phone with Ruth Chandler, another one of his good friends uh, from the girl next door. And she says, you don't need to stay in the city for the women, Patrick. You can come here. And Patrick says, oh, no, it's, they're too young for me. Oh, that got dark. And... Lo and behold, Patrick Bateman agrees to help. So Patrick Bateman jumps on Shalob along with Mr. Dark and they scurry quickly back to the Dollinganger estate, wherever the hell that is. I, I picture it on the edge of a cliff somewhere. Okay. So anyway, they get there and they're not met by none other than Bob Clark from uh, People Live Still in Cashtown Corners. And they said, Bob, what are you doing here? And Bob says... Murder is magic. And it suddenly dawns on them, they may not have needed all of the help from everyone in the city and the town and the doctors and the Patrick Batemans of the world. 
What they truly needed to fend off Penelope Gast, the mad pisser of Southern states, what they really truly needed was magic here. So none other than Lestat de Lancourt, uh, the vampire of lore, the Anne Rice vampire of lore that you may have interviewed at one time or another. They said, what we need is a stat. If anyone can, can tell us what sort of magic we need, because brute force murders, cannibal serial killers, none of that is going to help us against someone like Penelope Gast. We need magic. Bob, thanks. See you later. And Bob says, no problem. And heads off back down to Cashtown Corners gas station to work his shift. So not being too sure how to get a hold of Lestat, they call up their best friend on a coconut and a string. Uh, this would be Colonel Kurtz. He's uh, got a heart of darkness, and they know if anyone could reach out to Lestat or know where Lestat has been recently, it would be someone with a heart of darkness not unlike Colonel Kurtz. And him and Coco are good pals, so, you know, they they obviously know where Lestat is. So they call up on the coconut phone, a coconut and a string, coconut and, like, bailing twine phone that they call Colonel Kurtz on. And who answers the phone but none other than Norman Bates. And they say, Norman, what are you doing here? And Norman says, aha, you thought that I was nothing but a, a lowly psycho with mommy issues. But no, I am very versed in magical lore and the occult. It's uh, why I'm into taxidermy. They're talismans, honestly. So they say, oh, Norman, then maybe, like, Colonel Kurtz is a little a little weird. So maybe maybe you can help us uh, get in touch with Lestat. Have you talked to Lestat lately? And he says, ah. Oh, Lestat, Lestat's, Lestat's not who you need. Who you need, who you need, in my opinion, my very high opinion, is Randall Flagg. He's at the Dark Tower, you know, down the road. Down, and they're like, oh, God, we could have just went next door to the Dark Tower. Oh, my God. All this running around on Shilob, and Shilob's, like, pissed now. But they kind of need her to crawl up the tower. It's a lot easier to get there. So... They're like, well, he doesn't like really take kindly to us. And I mean, who else can we get to appeal to Randall Flagg? Um, like, well, he's been dating Julia Cotton, you know, from Hellbound Heart. After her and Frank were done, she, she kind of hooked up with Randall Flagg. Like, oh, wow, we'll use Julia as our in. Where's Julia? Well, Julia, of course, has been tailed by Harry Damore. You may remember him from the Great and Secret show. Uh, more Clive Barker world here because uh, Harry Damore has been trailing the serial killings that Julia had um, been perpetrating. So they go to appeal to Julia to take her up this tower on the back of Shilob and Mr. with Mr. Dark, of course. And they approach the doors. Guarding the doors, however, is Pennywise the Clown. And he says, Hiya! Hiya, Julia! Remember me? I'm Pennywise the Clown. And Mr. Dark says, I don't believe we've met. And Pennywise says, I'm Pennywise the Clown. You're Mr. Dark. Now we know each other. 
So it's obviously the the previous incarnation of, of Pennywise the clown. And they say, well, Randall Flagg isn't here. In fact, the Dark Tower has been taken over by someone entirely different. You were looking for Lestat, but here you have found Lasher. That strikes terror into the heart of Mr. Dark, more so than... Oh my god, I've lost my spot. More so than Penelope gasped from the black train, or gassed. Because Lasher can control not only magic and milk and honey and love and lust and music and laughter. Did I already say laughter? Anyway, he can control the very soil somehow. I'm sort of making this up. So they figure, you know, let Penelope Gast come. Let her come and piss all over the lands and, and imbue our soils with blood. Not that the Dolan Gangers grow anything on these fields, but they don't want them pissed on or full of blood. So they say, let her come and we'll have Lasher whip up the winds and pull all the, the impurities from the ground. Suddenly... Up from the ground itself comes Damien Thorne. You know Damien Thorne from the Omen. Everyone knows Damien Thorne. He has not died, because I don't recognize the fourth film. He has risen from the ground and says, Stop! Not only do I not want Lasher's weird fucking ghost fingers touching me anywhere, I will not allow Penelope Gas to piss and bleed all over my lands. I call upon my sentinel, Zelda, from the pet cemetery. She has spinal meningitis. And not only does she have spinal meningitis, she's just a powerful, powerful deity. Very powerful indeed. So she will guard us against the horror that is Penelope Gast. Suddenly, someone yells, Stop. Stop this foolishness right now. Now, I am Olivia Foxworth, and I am the headmistress of these lands, and I don't care what Corinne has to say, because she might be evil, but I'm way more evil, and I have way more money, and I actually, what I say goes around here. She's just a puppet. You will let Penelope come to the grounds and piss all over them, because I'm fine with that. As long as she's not a child and not trying to have sex with her brother. Oddly enough, <laughs> oddly enough, her boyfriend, courtier, other butler, Pinhead, has her back on this and says, you think you know pain? I'll show you pain. Or something very pinheady. He says something pinheady, uh, some one-liner that's uh, super cool, and he looks cool doing it. Kind of, kind of pinhead thing to say. And he says, "I will protect Penelope Gas because she knows the dark, deep secrets of humanity and how it is born in blood and will remain in blood." Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. From behind Pennywise the Clown comes his counterpart, Master of Games, 
from In the Dark. It's a Richard Lehman book. Um, he's a lesser known friend of Pennywise, and he sort of oversees all of Pennywise's um, more elaborate schemes because Pennywise is just a clown after all and has to have someone like it's the, the jigsaw who's Amanda, right? So uh, the master of games says, I know what you can do here. I say that we invite Penelope up here. Maybe she'll have so much fun in the dark tower and we'll, we'll convince her that Flag's on his way back and I'm sure she'd like to meet him because they seem sort of part and parcel. She's probably a female Randall Flagg. That maybe we can use this to our advantage, save the lands, not have to bother Pinhead so much, and she can come up here and party forevermore. Partying forevermore, of course, in the tower along with them is Emmerich Belasco. He sealed himself in the basement of lead, and from the basement you can hear him say, That sounds good. I don't know what else I got here. They say, well, we better ask the big guy. So they pour a circle of salt, leaving a little corner undone by accident, and summon Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles, of course, has a good laugh once everyone tells him what exactly has been going on here at the Dollinganger Estate in the Dark Tower today. And he laughs his little tailed ass off and says, you foolish, foolish mortals. I don't care what you're doing. You left the circle and broke and I'm free. And he takes off into the ether. Finally, watching Mistopheles flee and, and piqued by the interest that was garnered in his uh, summoning, Pazuzu, you know Pazuzu from the Exorcist films, rises up or comes down. I don't know what Pazuzu does or like possesses Pennywise perhaps. And astonishingly, he speaks with the voice of Ray Pye, a weird squeaky voice. And in the background, like angels trumpets, you can hear the crinkling of beer cans. And Ray Pye says, I agree, that sounds like a groovy time too. And trudging up the driveway, where everyone has expected Penelope Gast, comes her herald, Annie Wilkes, and says, "I, I don't, I don't give a cock a doody darn what what you guys were expecting, and you're with your potty mouth and your in your piddle this and your puddle that. You guys don't know." What, what you're talking about, you know, you, you, I don't know who told you that that grody little lady named Penelope Gasp was on her way here, but I done finished her off. You won't hear anything more from Penelope Gast, says Annie Wilkes, with a, as much gravity as she could muster. And then she looks at them all with a bit of disgust and clucks her tongue and turns her tail and clumps off in her rubber boots and apron to feed the chickens or whatever it is that Annie Wilkes does when she's not hobbling, murdering, terrifying people or reading her uh, novels. And so everyone just went back to their towers and mansions, sky rises and strange inner city psychiatry practices. And that was the end of the Dolan Ganger Estate Dark Tower
problem. Although the one leftover question was where in the hell would Shalub sleep tonight? And skittered off with Mr. Dark on her back into the sunset. The end. So yeah, that was fun. That was weird. I don't know how this is going to be when I hear it back, but I had a lot of fun just turning mental gymnastics, trying to link all of this cast of characters together. In my fiction, I often work with one, two, three people, very small casts. So this was a fun experiment. So I hope you enjoyed my strange, exquisite corpse, the tale of the Dolan Ganger estate versus the Dark Tower and Penelope Gast, or whatever title that that weird epic could ever have had. But it was a great use for those those words. If you have also done these tags where you've incorporated the cast of 30 horror icons or heroes of yours, then feel free to contribute to your own exquisite corpse. If you are looking for something new to read, some insight or reviews of horror you have read, or even talk from a writer's perspective, I hope you enjoy this little show. Feel free to check out the YouTube version by searching Typical Books, or visit me at LydiaPeaver.ca. Thank you, and have a dark, devious day.